Welcome back in listeners to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings. Uh, for all of you uh, comic book fans out there, we've got a great episode in store with you uh, for you today. We uh, are joined by Lenny Schwartz. Uh, he is the director of an upcoming play called um, Bill Finger, Rise of the Bat. And this is a very fascinating play, and I'm excited to hear about it. So, Lenny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. I appreciate that. Um, I'm very excited the show is going up. Uh, it has been a long time dream to get this, to get this uh, script the way, the way I've always wanted to get it done. Uh, the way I've always wanted to write it and to, to have the uh, presentation and the actors that we have with it. It's taken a while, but I'm very, very um, enthused, I will say. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And I and I just realized I did not give you credit where credit is due as well. You were also the playwright of this. Not yes. only the director, you're the yes. playwright. You're wearing several hats in this. <laughs> Producer, whatever. Yeah, no, it's fine. I, I don't. I'm very lucky um, because with this script, um, I actually worked on the story with um, Athena Finger, who's uh, Bill Finger's, uh, who's Bill Finger's granddaughter, and um, I worked with her and her sister Alethea Best Mariata, and we had devised a story together of what of what the play would actually entail. And I, I, mean, I wrote the script from our meetings and our notes and everything. But um, I, you know, for story, I definitely have to give them credit as well for that. Um, you know, and I, I put together the script and 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 mounted it and staged it and everything. Um, so I'm, I've been very lucky to have the team that I've had too behind me. And I think we have a very strong script going into this, uh, into this run. That's amazing. So why don't you tell us a bit about your show? All right. So the story goes like this. Um, so the story is based on the creation of Batman, um, and, um, com- the beginning of comic book history. Um, basically Bob Kane and Bill Finger were, um, were, you know, uh, Bill Finger had worked for Bob Kane who was an artist and he was like, you know, didn't get credit. It was kind of like a ghostwriter, but he did a lot of the writing and they were creating comics back in the thirties. And um, they, over, over time, um, Superman became very big and uh, national comics, which was DC comics, which became DC comics said to Bob Kane, you know, we want the next Superman. We want, can you go home and create the next Superman for us? And Bob Kane says, oh, I, you know what? Let me, let me go, let me go home. I'll have something on your desk by Monday morning. And um, so over the weekend, he had met with Bill Finger and he says, look at look at this. Look, look what I have. And it's, it's a guy in a red suit. Look like Flash Gordon with wings. Looks like, you know, nothing. Red suit, you know, little domino mask. And he said, I call him Batman. And Bill Finger said, hey, you know, this, this is not going to work. You know, you have to redo the costume. He says, you know, give him a cowl with ears. Give him, you know, a chest emblem. Give him like all these all the things that make Batman what we know him today. Uh, the Batmobile, um, you know, uh, Gotham City, you know, um, Commissioner Gordon. All, and Bill Finger came up with a, with a lot of these things. He helped co-create the Joker. Didn't do it that weekend, but, um, you know, but, he, but that weekend he created a, what, Batman as we see him today in that first detective comic story, number 27. And um, so that Monday morning, you know, so Bob Kane took those ideas and you know, they came up together. And that Monday morning, Bob Kane went into the office of National Comics and says, look what I created over the weekends. I want, you know, I want to make sure that my, you know, my, and his father was your Herman said, hey, you know, um, I want to, I want to make sure that Bobby gets all the credit on, um, on everything with Batman, not mentioning Bill Finger's existence at all. So what happened was at that point, Bill, fin- Bill Finger, um, you know, died in 1974, penniless and alone. 
And um, Bob King, you know, had has a Holly, uh, uh, star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know, he became a famous guy. You know, he got money and all those things. He was around when the Batman movies come out. Yet for years, Bill Finger wasn't mentioned or credited. Um, and not until 2015 did he actually receive his first credit. Nobody knew Bill Finger's existence in the creation of Batman, except, you know, it's kind of like this almost urban legend. Um, and it's, the play explores that, explores who Bill Finger was. Um, that in that very incident and what else he has done. Um, I don't know if you're a comic fan. Are you a comic fan, Andrew? Or I, I would not call myself a huge diehard fan, but I'm a I, I'm a fan of X Men primarily. Oh, that's, X-Men, that's right. my main one. But I, I mean, I, I enjoy uh, you know Batman and Spider Man. Superman's not my big one, but you know yeah. I, I've seen the films and whatnot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but the comic the comic book language that was formed. Um, when you look at read a comic book, even in that, even in X Men, if you read the, the comic X Men that Bill Finger actually did. He, like, he actually helped create the form as we know it today. Huh. Um, the way stories are told, the way, um, the way, the way that um, panels go from panel to panel and how to make them cinematic in a certain way. Bill Finger discovered that language. And it's on all these movies that are around today. Uh, I'd also written a play about Steve Ditko. And Ditko's another one who co-created Spider-Man. Didn't get you know, half the credit he deserved. And, um, you know, and he also created Doctor Strange. I've, I've said it even, even in this past year. What are the, the biggest movies out there? It's uh, Spider-Man, Dicko creation, Doctor Strange, Dicko creation, and the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. Uh, was the Bill Finger creation. Bill Finger's name is on that one, but before 2015, the Michael Keaton Batman, um, all those things that came before, even the the, the Nolan Batman's with uh, Christian Bale, his name isn't on there. Um, there's not. It's, it's just you know, created by Bob Kane. If you go back, you'll see it. So to to, to be able to do the show and to do to, to be able to do it the way that I had always intended to do it has just been a joy and it has been a joy from start to finish. So how did you come up with this, with this idea of a show of the show, I, I guess. So I, so for years, um, you know, I, if you, if you know, for years I heard about this story of Bill Finger when I worked at a comic book store and in 1989, when that first Batman, you know, that first Batman movie came out, Bob had a uh, book. Bob wrote a book. Well, not he didn't write a book. Um, he was autobi- you know, it was an autobiography about Bob Kane. I put it in quotations. Um, you know that that you know my the guy who was working there said to me, he said, "Hey, you know, um, don't read that book. Let me tell you what the real story about Batman." And I learned about Bill Finger, and it changed my perception. Um, but you know, then so then I and I in college I started writing plays. And I'd only I'd only done stupid comedies. I had done stuff like, um, you know, one of my plays was actually just performed in New York about 10 years ago called Accidental Incest, Somewhere for Everyone. Great show. Good for family. <laughs> um, but, but great stuff. Um, and, you know, I'd done some other stuff. I, I had done stuff. I actually wrote a comic book kind of play, you know, a kung fu play called Kung Fu Babies. Um, but I've also done other things uh, beyond that. I'd, I'd written um, my, in 2011, uh, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I had written my first biographical play which was about Buster Keaton. And I love Buster Keaton. I learned all about Buster Keaton, all the things he did in the movies, all his tricks. And I studied Buster Keaton for 12 years. Um, I loved, I loved everything. So it was, a, it was a play about Buster Keaton. I learned how to write biographical material. These plays started taking off in Rhode Island, where I'm, where I'm from. And then I had done, so I said, all right, so I did one about the Marx Brothers after that. And that was also a very popular play. And then we had done, um, I had done one about Lucille Ball. And then uh, in 2013, I had uh, written one written one about Charles Schultz, which went over very, very, very well. And I said, I'm done with biogra- bi- biographies. I'm not doing any more bi- bi- no bi- no biographical plays. I'm done with them. I had um, 
might have just worn them off because, you know, you get tired after a while. You want to do other things. And um, I said, the only stories I would tell are three stories. And that's all. I, I, and someone asked me, I said, what are the stories? And Bill Finger topped the list. And I, and I said, oh, but I'll never get any chance to do that. Um, and literally, I go to San Diego Comic-Con every year. I literally got turned around. And as I got turned around, I bumped literally into Athena Finger. And it was like fate. It was like I was looking for a new, new, a new play to write. And, um, you know, um, at that point, I asked her, I said, would you ever consider a play about your grandfather? I've done these other plays. She said, go for it. You know, uh, nobody nobody thought back then that Bill would get credit. And uh, it was always this thing, you know. And um, I had done I had done this a previous version called Co-Creator. I, had, I were actually opening up a new theater. And um, I it was a very tight schedule writing that play. And it didn't come out. And I even while I was doing it, I knew it wasn't going to be the play I, I, I intended it to be. But we're opening up a new space, and it was a very successful play in Rhode Island. Um, and anytime anything's a success for me, I immediately hate it. So, <laughs> um, so uh, no, I'm just kidding. I the show wasn't what it should have been. Um, not my partner's fault. Not my anything at that point. Um, you know, I'm no longer working at that theater. It wasn't anybody's fault but mine, and I knew that. And I always said, I'm going to go back and do the show again. And I want to do something that is lived in, something that is real. And um, the, I had written the next version, um, which was not, was still called Co-Creator. And I finally finished up this version. And I, and I, I think at the end of the day, I think that the count is, and I wrote this down, was 2,342 versions of the play. I had written wow. literally 2,342 versions of this play. I have versions where it didn't even create Batman to the end. I have version where I have versions where it's just two people on stage. Um, I I have all these different variations of how this show can go, and I and I knew I finally figured out the date. I had a, a theater ready in New York, ready to go, and it, well, the day I fin- finished up this version of the script was March eighth, two thousand and twenty, oh, and I was goodness. so excited about life at that point. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was I was feeling great about things, and uh, I I get the theater going. I was like, yep, got, you know, got, you got the insurance, everything like that. And literally the next few days, the country shut down. And uh, I was like, this is not, this is not going to be, it's not going to go well. So I I waited and I'm glad I did. Um, And I I just let it marinate and I just, you know, studied it and I redid things. Uh, And this is where, this is where we're at now. And this is the version I've always intended it to be. Um, I usually don't write that many drafts. I'm usually 10 drafts is a good, is a good estimate, maybe six drafts. Um, but you know, just do this many drafts is just because it was such rich material. Um, and I just wanted to make sure I hit it right. And I was obsessed with it. And, um, yeah, it feels really good now after, you know, literally eight years. It's like, this is something I can just let go, let go of. (laughs) So, yeah. And you said you've been working on this for, did I hear that right? 10 years? Uh, Eight years. So it was 2014. I had started the first drafts of it. Um, with the intention, I think of being a screen, being a screenplay, and I have a screenplay of it. But you know, I and I said, well, you know, if this, if I can't get a screenplay going, you know, why not do the play version again? You know, yeah. Um, I do film too. I love doing film, and but to, to do a film like this, right, you'd have to have, you know, have to have a real major star in it. Um, and um, you know, so you know, I just I figure if, if I can't do it, theater's more immediate in that regards. Um, so until, you know, Jake Gillenthal calls me back or, you know, you know uh, 
you know, which, you know, whatever, if he wants to, it's fine. If he's listening to this, you know, I'm not mad at you, Jake. So, um, so, um, you know, I, 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 you can call me anytime, Jake. Anyway. Um, but no, I, 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 if you don't, you know, the realistic thing is that I want the story to be t- told before, you know, you know, the, the story to be told in the best way it can be told. Um, so that's why we're doing it like this. And I feel very happy with the cast we have. Um, they put Jake Gyllenhaal to shame, and I hope he is listening to this. Uh, so. I would love if he's listening too. That would be, you know, yeah, oh gosh, great. How amazing. Even, even, if, even if Maggie's listening, Maggie, tell Jake anyway. <laughs> <laughs> message that you're hoping the audiences will walk away with from your show you know that's a, a good question it's really funny we were talking about this today at rehearsal and um you know the thing of it is that everybody has a story and everybody's life really does matter and you know you look at bill fingers this came late like he didn't get his credit to 2015 but what a credit you know um batman live batman lived past him you know and it's gonna live past me it's gonna live past you um, to have that, you know, but it, it, tell, it tells you that every person is, you know, it has a story and, 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 you know, it may not be creating Batman. It may not, it may just be taking care, you know, having a child and, you know, taking care of them or having, being a family person, um, you know, or just going to work and, you know, you know, being in love or something. You have, every person fulfills some person in life of something in life. They all, everyone fulfills something. And that's the message of the play. And you may not know what that purpose is. Um, you may never discover that while you're alive, but you know, you might be, you know, it might be 2000 years from now and you know, um, you know, someone's doing their ancestry and they're like, wow, if this person wasn't here, I wouldn't be here, you know? And so everything does, you know, it's, it's, that that's the message that I think if anything, I'm trying to, you know, if there's a, if there is a message, I should say, um, every person has a story and it's worth telling. Um, I can't tell every person's story. Sadly, I won't be able to write that many stories, but every other person, but I, I wish I could, but I think every person out there is writing their own story at every given moment. Um, and it matters. It, it does. It, it does. Life can feel like it doesn't matter, but it does. And I think this play does prove that. That is beautiful. And I think that's a wonderful message to have. Everybody's story matters. Yes. A thousand times. Absolutely. Well, um, has your show been performed in the past uh, at all, or is this the first time it's well, been seen? It's been performed as co-creator. Uh, the title was co-creator of the Bill Finger story. Uh, back in 2015 and 2018, there was another theater that, that took over with it. That's the script. I, I don't, I, I'd rather not be out there, honestly, at this point. Not that it was a bad <laughs> script. Um, is it this one? It has maybe this one has about fifteen percent of the, that that performance in this script. I kept about fifteen minutes of it, and the rest I jettisoned um, into Never Neverland, never be seen again. Um, about 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 three uh, about two thousand drafts ago. Um, but no, I, I there's, there's some stuff that was there that was very good and strong, um, and I'm very proud of um, the Batman creation scene particularly. I just I love the way that's done, and um, but I don't I didn't feel like I, I felt like there was the original one was more of a historical document rather than a play. And so I wanted to, I wanted to see what, there's not a lot of information about Bill Finger out there. 
So the stuff I had information about, I wanted to read into, explore, figure out honest moments of how Bill would react in these scenes and how who he was as a person from testimonials from people uh, and figure out who he is. Um, you know, even Athena was telling me, she's like, she doesn't, she's, she learns about her grandfather from other people, you know, that, that had met him or is because she, I mean, in her family, she didn't, she was not alive when Bill was alive. So to find that out and find out, you know, she, she, she'll learn some things from other people. And, you know, the thing of it is, is that I, I find that so interesting. You know, there's not a real document of this person of who they were. And to me, I was taking those clues that are out there, all these little things, all these little bits of research and putting them together to come up with a full composite of who he was. And the converse, I had to figure out, you know, take all these little pieces and figure out who Bob Kane was on the other characters in the play. And um, the other person who helped create the Joker and Robin, as we know him, Jerry Robinson. I actually actually met Jerry Robinson and knew him from conventions. Um, you know, we weren't friends, like close, close friends, but I see if I saw him, you know, if he was still alive, we know, we know each other, you know, we know, I, you know, I was, I was around, I had pictures with them and I loved Jerry. Jerry was a great guy, but he's also a character in this play. So it was kind of like this really interesting thing to do these guys justice and honor. Um, and that was what I was intending for. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you, man. <laughs> and uh, the list of people that you know, I mean, when is your oh, book coming out? That would be amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so it's so weird because you know, you start meeting some of these some of these uh comic book creators, families. And it's I mean, of course, it's just like you you and me and everything, and you can say that, but um, you know, Athena's great. If you ever get a chance, reach out to her. She is awesome. Uh and her boyfriend's amazing. Rick is great. He's actually he's actually a cosplayer named the, the true Aquaman. He has the best Aquaman cosplay you've ever seen. Um, he is Absolutely. the coolest dude. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, these are people like um, you know, and and you know, I, I got you know, getting to know. I also did a play about Steve Ditko and getting to know the Ditko family a little bit. They are just nicest down to earth people. And um, when we did the Ditko show, the Ditko show, I was like, I just in every interview, meeting the Ditko family was so cool because it's like I crashed a wedding, and he said, "Stay anyway." So, <laughs> which I love, you know, and you know, they, they, we, I, I miss them. They're fantastic people too. That's amazing. <laughs> well, wrapping up this portion of the interview, I just want to ask, who do you uh, hope have access to the show? Um, we're keeping ticket sales, uh, ticket prices very low, like $15 online, 20 at the door. Um, I want everyone to have access to the show. Um, to have as much people as to see it. So we're doing this actually in three cities. Um, we open up in Pennsylvania uh, uh, this Saturday, actually, uh, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. We're opening up there. And then I come back to my home state, Rhode Island, and we have two, a two-weekend run. And then we do it uh, three days, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th, uh, the three days before New York Comic Con. So I'm, I'm hoping that theater people want to come see it, uh, and, I, and I, I think it's very accessible for theater people. I also think it's good for comic book people, and I think it's also good for people who don't go to the theater. Um, I try to write plays for people who don't go to theater and have them. And in, in, it's it's very important that we try to expand our audiences as much as possible. Um, I also think this play is also good for families. I, I don't see that very often. From the writer of Accidental Incest comes, you know, Bill Finger. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. Uh, <laughs> um, but, I, I, but I also, I do think that very, I want to make something that's accessible to everybody. High school students. Uh, my daughter is, is 12 right now. She'll be, she'll be 13 when we're in New York. Um, but I, she's 12 years old, but I, I, I want to write a play that she that she can go see and enjoy and see like, you know, and understand what's going on and actually get behind the characters and root for them and whatever else um, to really, you know, and also make it so it's not a chore for adults. 
Um, because it's not a chore. It's a very it's you know, and any any I, I like to make plays too, and I like to try to make plays to every person in the audience, no matter what what you know, what your size is, what your what you know, how tall you are, how short you are, um, you know, what color you might be, whatever your creed might be, whatever you know, your race might be, no matter what you no matter what you are in life, you this says you're welcome with us. Um, and you're welcome to enjoy this story. And I think that's a very important thing. Um, and again, another thing I was talking to someone about today, and I, I you know, I, and I, is that you look at all these people who are like, you know, oh, they're getting canceled and all these things. I think it's not, I, you know, I don't, I it's been canceled culture. I think the whole thing is, and I, and I, I think the whole thing for me is I want to make sure that every person has the opportunity to enjoy something. And I think that's very important, especially as we're progressing as a society, to have something that someone can sit down, no matter what it is, and feel like, hey, you know what, this is for you. You know, hey, you know what, you have the opportunity to enjoy it or hate it. If you want to hate the show, great, but you have the opportunity to do that. So on an equal level. shift the conversation now and sure. um uh kind of focus on you a little bit because we do sure. not only talk about shows but we do talk about uh our own experiences in the theater and i want to start by asking you what shows in the past have inspired you or do you love and and i'll broaden it as well to writers and composers since you also are oh good you know i like if so many I mean, we're talking about theater you know that i there was a time in college and i still do it when i was reading a play a day and sometimes up to like 10 scripts a week um you know the ones the ones i really stick out to me and the ones that i really just love um as far as playwrights um you know i really at one point i was obsessed with nikki silver um you know i love i loved his work i don't know if you know the, the writer rich orloff uh rich orloff he's he, he's one of my heroes wonderful wonderful um he has sat in a satire like you wouldn't believe I actually sought him out and he became one of my friends, which was amazing. <laughs> I love Rich. But I, lo- I love Rich. I, lo- I love those guys. They-, they come up with something that's so unique and so them. And they really have the crap down, you know, to a point where um, they're just, just wonderful writers. Um, you know, and I-, I also like, you know, someone like Bernard Slade, which is like same time next year, which I think is a wonderful show. Um, you know, and then, and, then, and then you can go into more, you know, more, um, you know, I love, I, I love, I, I, you know, I love Shakespeare. I love, I love reading, you know, trying to figure out every, you know, just dig into that language. I love that. Um, you know, and I, but then again, I just love, you know, someone like, um, who else? Well, I'm trying to think who else I like as a writer. Who else I haven't read? Um, you know, who I've read, I've been like, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I love, as, as a writer, I think my favorite screen, I think my favorite writer probably in the world is probably Charlie, Charlie Kaufman. I love Charlie Kaufman. Um, he is not a playwright, but I know he's done plays. He's done even the movie uh, adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. I think he's a, a writer I look up to. And um, yeah, as far as like like theater directors, I mean, I uh, you know I've you know fun, funny thing is I used to work for Trinity Rep for over eight years, and so I've seen a lot of people kind of go through there. Um, you know, I'm my, myself. It's uh, I think probably the best show I've ever seen. 
You know what? Who I love the best? Another writer who I love. This is probably my favorite writer right now. John Logan. I love John Logan. Mm-hmm. John Logan is unbelievable. I saw Red with um, uh, Alfred Molina and Eddie Redmayne mm-hmm. about ten years back, and that was that was stunning. Yeah. Um, that was that was an unbelievably stunning show. And I sat there being like, "Oh my god, this is like this is what I I, I and I love his work." Um, I think the other work he did was Never the Sinner, uh, John Logan, which I was impressed by. Um, and um, trying to think, of the other ones are that I would probably like. I, I have so many that I just like. <laughs> if you want to talk about film, I can go about film all day because I also do screenplays and I do. I'm actually directing a film right now too. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> that's insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the best, the best writers, I, I think, you know, also, um, Billy Wilder, Sam, Sam Fuller. I love those guys. Um, people who actually had construction in their work. That's, that's, you know, any writer who, does, who puts their stuff in there and has a, a good sense of construction, a good sense of self and who they are. I'm in a hundred percent. That's incredible. I'm, I'm just like jotting names down. Cause I'm like, yes. Cause I'm in the same boat <laughs> with you where I just love, I'll ride the subway and I'll read a play and I'm like, amazing. And I like to decide like, why hasn't this been done lately? Or, ah, uh, yes, I can see why this hasn't been done, lately, you know, but you never know. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I like, so I used to do theater festivals. And I used to love seeing plays that interested me. And so also, I mean, just, just with so many interesting writers out there who aren't known, um, you know, if you want to, if, you know, I think I'll, I'll name drop her right now. She's not, she's not, you know, if she is, if she's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tag her in the post. Uh, Gabrielle Fox, Gabby Fox, one of my friends. I love her work. I think she is one of the most amazing writers. And I'm not sure how many people know Gabby, but Gabby Fox is one of the most amazing writers out there. And I look at her work and I'm like, God, I wish I could do that. It's so good. Like, and she's, she's, she's I mean, I, I consider her a colleague, but man she is she can just write like circles and i sit there i'm like jeepers uh, i wish i could do that good <laughs> so she's a wonderful <laughs> well building on that have you seen any great theater lately that you would recommend to our listeners you know theater that i've seen lately um so um i haven't seen anything probably i went to go see company um you know um I, god i went to go see company i was <laughs> i saw the was it um I, I, you know, it was supposed to be Patty Lapone, but she was sick. Mm. Um, the set, and then uh, was, I can't remember, Katrina Link. Um, I thought, I think it's a good show, but I thought the interpretation left a lot for me to be desired, honestly. Uh, and that was the first like play that I actually was up in New York for in a really long time. Um, before that, though, um, I think of somebody that I've seen that I really enjoyed. I don't, you know, funny thing is, you, you come constantly working, so I don't get to see a lot of theater. Yeah. My favorite, <laughs> I will say, one of my, I'll say what my favorite play of all time was, though. That favorite musical. So I'm not a musical guy. Actually, I'll tell you my two favorite musicals I saw. And don't, don't, don't kill me on this one. I saw uh, Neil Patrick Harris as Hedwig. Oh, um, great. Oh, no. Um, Amazing. That was that was a, one of the most stunning shows I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Just sat there, jaw dropped. And it was, he was so good in that movie. In that, it was 2014 we saw it. Yeah. I love that. And then this is, I saw a touring production and it made me laugh so, so. I saw two, actually, I saw Carousel, actually. And it was one of the best musicals I've ever seen. Just mm-hmm. beautifully done. But then I, before that, the year before that, I saw Damn Yankees with Jerry Lewis. And it was oh. still to this, it was still to this day the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because it was out of control. <laughs> so that's I, enjoy, I enjoy that. I love Damn Yankees. That's the first musical I ever performed in. And I oh, it's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, I, 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 when I performed in it, I didn't quite understand what all we were doing. 
And then like, you know, now here I am 25 years later and I'm like, okay, okay, now I get it. This is a good show. Okay. So hopefully we do sooner than later back on Broadway. Um, (laughs) What is your favorite part about working in the theater? You know, funny enough, um, what I love about working in the theater is I love working with the people that I work with. Um, I really love the collaboration. I love that you know, one of the reasons I do these plays is because you can create something from nothing. Uh, I love all I need is a notebook and a piece of pa- and a pen, and um, I'm off. You know, and I love that. I love creating something from nothing, and then turning these 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 dreams into dreams that just pop into the you know pop on paper, and um, you know, just grabbing what's out there, grabbing the words, and putting them together, and just just creating them. And the people I'm working with, when I work with the people, that's really you know, I love to write, and I love the actual like solidarity of writing and everything people ask me why I direct the shows and like, why don't you hand it to another director? And I have worked with many other directors. People always think I don't work with directors, but I have worked with a lot of other directors. Um, you know, I, the re- but the reason I like doing the directing the shows so much that I do, I try to do at least one or two a year to direct is because I get to collaborate and be there and be present, be part of the process and let it breathe with people. And it's so wonderful. And I've done development on shows before where, I, where I've handed it off to another director, but it has to be the right director um you know whoever they may be um i want to make sure it's the right content i've done that um 2000 2009 uh my my um colleague uh mike roderick directed a play of mine called squiggy and the goldfish and it was in new york uh and it was one of the best shows i've ever seen and i'm glad i'm glad you know he was able to mine those performances from those actors but for me i like to i like to do a great play i like to just kind of put them together and you know, work with the people and go through those beats. And it's just so nice to actually form those things with um, partnerships. I don't look at actors at all as like being actors. I look at them as being partners in this process. That's how I look at every person in the show that's in now, that, that they're an equal partner in what we're doing. And it's ours. And it should be. And it should be a safe place to work completely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wrapping this up, I want to ask this is my favorite question to ask people. What is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory? Oh, God. Uh, you know, I'll tell you. It's my first theater memory. I don't talk about this very often, but I'll tell you. My favorite theater memory was this. And I went to high school in 10th grade. And uh, I didn't actually want to do theater. I didn't want to be in theater at all. I know I know what just said, you know what? Didn't want to do theater. And uh, didn't want to perform, didn't want to do anything. I actually was taking, I actually signed up for a journalism class and um, for, for high school. And I get to the first day, I get to my schedule, the first day of school, 10th grade, and uh, I'm in a theater class. And it was a huge technical glitch that somehow, somehow said, you know, that, that put me in this. And like, we can't fix it. You know, there's not enough people in the journalism class. I mean, there's not enough people in the theater class. I mean, the journalism class is full. We will have drops in about two to three weeks. Usually that's what happens. But we, there's something with the computer sent in, into the journal. It's a journalism class that no longer exists for you. You have to go to the theater. And I went to the first theater class. And I sat there for a week and I'm like, I don't want to be in this class. Like these people are crazy. What's going on? You know, and I, <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? You know, they're all weird and stuff. You know, I'm just kidding. And um, I, I had no idea what, what theater entailed. I'm like, I want, if I want to do stuff, I want to do movies. You know, I was my whole thing. And um, I want to learn how to write, you know, and, um, Funny enough, within two weeks, um, within two weeks, 
I had, uh, I, I was starting to just get on my feet and doing some acting stuff and doing some things like that. Yay. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stay in this class. When it, when it became available for journalism, I'm like, let me see what this theater thing can do. I can always try journalism, you know, you know, next life or something, you know? And, and so it was just so much fun. And it was so, I was an actor first and uh, my first play was actually anything goes. And my first musical, I was, and I, and I, and I would love, I mean, it was just so wonderful, um, you know, to, um, and back then, uh, I won't tell you how I got my, my cast, my casting in there, because my high school was, was highly offensive. So, but then I look back, you know, that's the thing about, that's the thing about uh, we didn't know how, how offensive it was, but I won't even tell you, I'll tell you privately, if you want to tell how I got my first, my first, uh, my first role, it was nothing I did. It was all at the discretions of the director who said, who just said the most awful thing. And the reason oh. why he cast me was the most awful reason. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay. You know, and, and I, back then you're like, oh, I guess so, right, whatever. Nowadays, I'd be like, oh my God. Like, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I mean, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't repeat it. It's so awful. But then, but then oh. I, they were like, okay, you know, just started putting me in comedies. And they're like, you know, he, I, they say, you look kind of goofy and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, yeah, and, and I didn't look back. And then in college, I, I said I wanted to write my first play. Uh, I was taking an Algebra 2 class because all the people who do theater feel Algebra 2. And you have to take summer classes and uh, to get to college. <laughs> and, um, that's just the rule, I think. And everyone who's listening probably knows what I'm talking about. Um, but the uh, but I, but I in that class, I, I was so bored with the lessons that I started writing a play. And I said I, I was – I wrote a play about a stand-up comedian because I had done stand-up comedy. And um, I was terrible at it. But I, wanted, I thought a play would be very, very good to, to express that. And the next year, the college decided to put it on. And it was just amazing, you know? Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, that's the start of everything. And I, and I started to enjoy writing, you know, writing and directing more. And just kind of went that route. And it's been about 20 years of doing, actually, it's been 22 years of doing plays, writing and directing them, two to three shows a year. So and I, usually do, I usually do about one or two shows in New York a year now, too. That's amazing. See, yeah, higher that, power was like looking out and being like journalism. Oh no, we gotta fix this. Put that I know, right? glitch in. He's, Whatever that was about. <laughs> he's confused. We'll sort this out. Right, right. <laughs> Are there any other productions or projects that you have coming on the pipeline that maybe you can talk about or plug? Oh gosh, I absolutely will. Um, so the first thing I'm doing after this, I'm directing a film called The Haunted and the Hunted. Which is a uh, it's a it's a silent well silent there's no dialogue in the film and it follows one woman over three nights of the after the world has ended uh, the world has ended she's being chased by a pack of werewolves as the, the full moon goes on there's no dialogue in it it's one actor um, and a, a pack of werewolves being she's just chasing him so it's very uh, a very much an action oriented film shoot mm-hmm. and that's gonna be a full length that's a full length we've already done a couple days on it uh, when this is over we go right back into that. And then um, I have two other shows in the works. I'll, uh, the one fall of 2023 is a play I've been working on for many years called Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem. So you'll enjoy that. Everyone out there, <laughs> it's going to be a musical, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, so, and uh, in the spring of 2000, yeah, get ready for that one, guys. <laughs> Are you not ready? Uh, and, but uh, the, one of the, the one that's next after this, for play, for play we've done a stage reading of it. There was an incident in Rhode Island, um, which um, there was a huge theater person out here who, um, you know, j- just just got caught last year um, with, um, you know, basically creating fake Facebook accounts, harassing people, um, and then um, sexually abusing people, too, um, around here, yeah. too. 
And this went on for many, many years. Um, you know, it was a crime. He stole money, did all these things. It's I can send you the link. It's unbelievable. And nice. it's about the community's response to that. Um, it's actually a, a factual story. So I call it the, the true crime drama, a dramatis persona. And um, it's based, it's, it's a play about learning how, how a community, you know, kind of deals when something like this happens. The people who deny it for him, the people who cover him up, the, um, you know, the people who, um, the, the people who just kind of give him the, uh, the excuse to do what he did and the people who were victimized and didn't, sometimes didn't know it. And sometimes, you know, and we see that in every community, community, we see that in every theater community, not just this one. I mean, this is a lens to look at other theater communities at, um, I just have to, I have to do a rewrite in the show. It won't be, it won't be 2000 rewrites. I just have one more rewrite to do, but, um, it is, it's ready to go. And it's a strong show because it affects everybody. And I'm sure when you are in New York, I'm sure you have people you know that this, that this has happened to, you know, that yeah. you see, you know, various things like that. And I'm big on theater safety and actors should have a safe yes. place, you know, and um, that this this person violated that repeatedly for over 12 years. I understand mm. mistakes when they happen, but this was not a mistake. This was this was someone who was trying to trying to control everything and victimize and control other people. Mm. I'm in, I'm very interested in seeing that because absolutely I, I want to think I'm thinking about bringing that one to New York too. That that's a it's a strong enough show that I think that people need to see it and as as big as as big and as wide as possible. So it might it might travel too depending of things. Um, and I got to figure that out. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of my plans. I also I also uh you know working on other things, but you know I've I've got to the end of 2023 planned out at this point. No, many, many hats, many, many projects. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> if our listeners want to get more information about uh, your show, about uh, Rise of the Bat, um, yep. how can they find it? Or if they want to get more information about you, how can they find sure. information I mean, about you or reach the, out? The problem is I have 5,000 Facebook friends, so you can definitely friend request me, but you might not get on there until I, until I peep somebody off. Which can happen very often. So if you want to <laughs> add me on, that's uh, fine. I'm on Instagram at uh, you know Len, Lenny Schwartz. You can find me there. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it very much. Um, but you can go to our website at Rise. Um, you can also just Google any of the news sources out there as well. Uh, Lenny Schwartz, Bill Finger, and they'll have a showtime come up. We open in Johnstown, like I said, next week. We've done a lot of press for it already, and there's still more to come. Uh, and um, you can go to Eventbrite to buy a ticket. I I. I tell people if they're going to come, please buy a ticket. You might get one at the door, but um, if you yourself want to come, let me know. I'll, I'll get you some comps for that. I'd be happy to. If anyone at the, uh, you know, anyone, anyone stage whisper wants to come, let me know. I'd be happy to get you guys some. Be nice guys to meet you guys in person too. Yes, we we've got to work out a few things, but I mean, the more and more I hear about this, the more I'm like, I think I need to go see this. I I'll just like, like say the word. The curtain gets pulled come. back on something. So, well, that's fantastic. Well, um, Lenny, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been amazing. Really, I thank you, you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you. You're wonderful. You do a great show, and I uh, it's an honor to be on. I think you guys interviewed a friend of mine, Seth uh, uh, Bison Hirsch, a couple of weeks ago. Yes, uh, from Love Quirks. Yeah, I love I love Seth. Oh my god, he's such a great guy. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. He was wonderful to talk to. Seth is I. He's, he's, yeah, I love you. Seth, if you're listening, thank you. I love you. Anyway. <laughs>
Our guest today has been Lenny Schwartz. He is the director, playwright, and producer of Bill Finger, Rise of the Bat, which is coming to New York playing at the Chain Theater, October 3rd through the 5th at 8 p.m. Um, we are going to have a link to buy tickets through Eventbrite. And as Lenny has said, buy your tickets in advance. I have a funny feeling this thing's going to sell out, uh, especially since uh, it's right before Comic-Con and given the subject matter. Um, you know, this is going to be huge. I'm excited. Well, you can find you. more information about Lenny and about the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll have all that information posted uh, again, as well as a link to the tickets uh, on the episodes uh, information and on our social media. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>